Okay. Look at verse number 22. As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is that scattereth and yet increases, and there is that with, which holdeth or withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. It's not talking about political stance there. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessings shall be upon the head of him that giveth away. It's not what your Bible says, it's that selleth it. There's a, good, there's a good truth in there. And he that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. And he that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Another good truth right there. And he that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. And the fool shall be servant to the wise, uh, the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. Much more the wicked and the sinner. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to say thank you tonight, God, that we can cast all our cares upon you. Lord, you didn't just give us fire insurance, God. You didn't just get us a get-out-of-hell-free card. But Lord, you became our God. Lord, we have a relationship with you. And it is one, God, that you are willing to bear the load for us. You're willing to fight the battle for us. You're willing to do the work for us. Lord, if we'll just let you. And I ask you tonight, Lord, if there's any of us in here tonight, God, that we're holding on to things and trying to fix things, God, that we cannot, that we're not capable of fixing. We don't have the ability to. God, help us to turn those things over to you and watch you be God in our life. We ask you tonight, Lord, that you have him behind the cross of Calvary. And God, get out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God. Lord, I want to thank you for the liberty, Lord, that is in our church. I'm thankful, Lord, for the liberty. And Lord, not just in the fellowship, the preaching of God's word. I thank you for that tonight. Lord, what a privilege that is. Lord, I know it's not like that everywhere. Lord, I know that not every church, God, is enjoying what we get to enjoy. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that we not just enjoy it while we have it, God, that we pursue and, 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 and desire to never lose it. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you just work in our hearts, God, and just continue to show yourself faithful to us. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here. Lord, thank you for letting us be a part of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, and I don't know if you was reading through this, you read through the majority of this, and it kind of goes together, and it kind of flows together, and we'll, we'll, we'll see that in just a few minutes. But the first verse that we read tonight, it sticks out like a sore thumb. It doesn't really go with the previous parts of the chapter, and it really doesn't go with the rest of the chapter. Verse number 22 sticks out like a sore thumb. It says, as a jewel of gold in a swine snout, so is a fair woman, which without discretion. It's like, it's like Solomon just plopped it in there. He was like, you know what? I, 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 now listen, if you've never preached the message, you've never uh, done anything like that, you, you may not know what it's like, but sometimes things will come into your mind and, you, and you're telling yourself, I don't need to deal with that. I don't need to say that. I remember being in Bible college and Brother Robbie would be in the middle of teaching and you could see the look and he'd turn his head a little bit sideways. And he'd say, nah, I ain't gonna say nothing. Nah, I ain't gonna say nothing. He would he'd argue with himself. He wouldn't argue with us. <laughs> he said, I ain't gonna say it. He said, I'm gonna say it. And then he would go off and say it. And before you know it, we was, uh, we were, <laughs> the school material had gone underneath the pulpit and he was just rearing back from the Bible. And I absolutely loved it, amen. But this verse number 22, it just sticks out because it doesn't really fit in here. And it's like, why would Solomon 
I understand inspiration of the Holy Ghost, but why here, why now, and why in the midst of all of this? You, you go and read it, it says, as a jewel of gold in a swine snout, as so is a fair woman, which without discretion. Here's the interesting thing. The, we, we would all agree that God gave Solomon the gift of wisdom. We understand, most people say, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. But I gotta say tonight that it's not very wise for a man to compare a woman to a swine. I can't think of any circumstance or situation where that will be beneficial for the man. You young men who are in the process of, of you know, Lord, who do you want me to marry? Whatever you do, do not compare them to a swine. Preacher, what is that, a pig? It will not work out for you. But if you are foolish enough to do so, Please record it. Because <laughs> we want to see it. And here's the interesting thing, and I don't know how this played out, but maybe Solomon went home and he was reading to one of his wives or his concubines and said, hey, look what the Lord gave me. He goes reading through the first portions of the scripture and says, oh, that's good. That's good. Gets down to verse number 22. As a jewel of gold and a swine snout, so as a fair woman without discretion. And she probably gave him that look. Now Solomon, I don't know what you're talking about there. Solomon, you need to, you need to go on, get, get over that. And here's, it's interesting because he says it and then he shifts. And tonight, here's what we're going to do. And we'll preach, what is that verse saying? In essence, it's saying no amount of outside adornment fix a heart problem, can fix a character issue. In essence, what, we would say it this way. It don't matter how much lipstick you put on the pig, it's still a pig. And the reality is, I don't care how good you look on the outside. You can tie your tie just right. You can have the right kind of shoes, the right kind of haircut, black suit, red tie, white shirt, be an independent fundamental that the sword of the Lord will be proud of. If your heart is not right, it's as if there is a gold jewel in the snout of a swine. Let me ask you, my dad grew up on a farm, and he's told me many times his his absolutely worst job or chore he had to do growing up was taking care of the pigs. He had to take care of them before he went to school. He'd go in there, slop hogs, and and clean out the pens, and then go to school afterwards. (laughs) And I thought, man, they made them different back then. But here's the thing you don't ever look at a pig and say, that's kind of cute. Right? Yeah, you might have a little teacup pig that's a little baby. But I'm talking about you raising him. And what he's referring to here is those that have been in the muck and the mire and they waller in. And he said, I don't care how, how big the jewel of gold is in their snout, they're still a swine. And we, what we need to learn from that tonight is the outside appearance, though it is, it is important, it's not everything. Your heart needs to be right. Keep your heart right, for out of it are the issues of life. And if your heart's deceitful, which it is, and your heart is unclean, and your heart is bitter, and it's hard, you can put the biggest smile on your face. You, you, can, you can act like everything's fine, and God's going to look at you and say, there's nothing different between a jewel and a pig snout and how you're acting. And then Solomon shifts. I think Solomon got a look, and he said, I'm going to move on from there. Maybe he was the wisest man to ever live. Why, preacher? Because he put down the shovel and he quit digging. (laughs) 
Amen. How many of you fellas in here tonight know what that's like? You dig a hole and you think, I can dig myself out of this. And you just dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper. Best thing you do is just put the shovel down. And Solomon just shifts gears. And so now here's what I'm going to preach on tonight. I'm going to preach on this from the hog to the harvest. Or I was going to title this, you can write down either one you want to, from the sow to the sowing. Now your English majors in there, you spell sow the same way you spell sowing. In the farming sense. I want to give you three areas tonight that Solomon shined the light of wisdom concerning the harvest. And here's the reality is you can't shine a light on the harvest without shining a light on sowing. And we see here at verse number 31, verse number 30, 31, it deals with the harvest of the gain there. Really, I guess you go to verse number 29 too. Deals with the harvest. But these latter chapters after verse number 22, Solomon hits the hog. And he starts with the harvest, and we really start the harvest, you have to start with the sowing. And so now we're gonna we're gonna shine the light of wisdom on this thing of sowing and reaping, or sowing in the harvest. Notice number one tonight, we have the attitude of sowing. We have the attitude of sowing going down to verse number 23. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Verse 27. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. So we see two verses tonight that deal with really the attitude of sowing or planting seed. Because here's the thing tonight, and we'll get into this here shortly somewhere. But in essence, the harvest is always going to come, right? If you're in my Sunday school class, some of this is going to sound oddly familiar. So if you weren't paying attention Sunday, you're getting a re, uh, review tonight. But the harvest is always going to come. The question is, what are you sowing? Right, because you don't get to pick the harvest. You get to pick the seed that you put in the ground. And a lot of times in our life, we, we want to harvest these things, right, things like faithfulness and things like honesty and things like integrity. We want to reap all of that, but we don't want to sow the seeds of it. Right, I would have a committed life. Let me ask you, are you sowing the seed of faithfulness? Oh, preacher, I'm at church tonight. That's wonderful. That's great. That's a great, that's a great seed of faithfulness. But what about in your personal life? Are you faithful to the word of God? Are you faithful to prayer? Are you faithful to, to studying and, and, and sharing and putting those seeds of faithfulness so you can reap commitment later on in life or when it's time for harvest? But I want you to notice the attitude of sowing. First of all, we see the word desire in, first, in verse number 23. The desire of the righteous is only good. That word desire means the longing of one's heart. And we see tonight that right off the bat, the longing of their heart isn't just to do good, but what does it say right there in verse number 23? To do, the, the, the desire of the righteous is what? Only good. In essence, their desire is, I don't want to do good every now and again. I want to do what is good every time. Every time I sow a seed in my Christian life, I want it to be the good seed, the right seed. Nothing else, no, I only want good. Let me ask you now, do you have that attitude that desires to seek only good or to do what is right in every situation, in every circumstance? Is it the longing of your heart instead of finding ways and excuses to do wrong and, and trying to, Try to tweak the word of God and find a loophole in it to excuse your wrongdoing. Are you trying to find reasons to do good, to do that which is right? 
So we see that it starts with the desire. In essence, if you're going to sow the right things, somewhere in your heart you got a purpose and have that desire that I, that's what I'm going to do. Right? It's not going to happen by accident. Y'all heard me say you don't live the Christian life by accident. No one's ever stumbled and fallen read the entire Bible and, you know, and all those kind of things. You don't accidentally fall into a time of prayer. Right? Those are choices. And it starts with the desire. And so you have to go into your heart tonight. You start there and you say, all right, heart, are we desiring only good? Are we desiring different things that we ought not to desire? So not only notice here that the Bible says in verse number 23, there is a desire. We go down to verse number 27. It says, he that diligently seeketh. So not only is there a desire, but now there's a diligent search. There's a diligent seeking. Well, preacher, what in the world are they seeking? Look at verse number 27. They, he that diligently seeketh what? Good. Right? He that seeketh good procureth favor. So it's not just a longing, but now here comes a search. In essence, they don't just want to do good. They're willing to learn exactly what good is. Lord, I want to do good. And now, Lord, I need to know what good is. I need to know what right is. I need to know what, what the, the, the best is uh, choice for me to do, Lord. Just, that's what I want to do. Now I need to learn what that is. Right in essence, they, they allow James 4.17 to become part of their life. Right, therefore, the hint to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let me ask you now, do you have that kind of mentality towards doing it right or doing what is right? In essence, I, I want to do right because I know if I don't, it's sin. It's sin. And see, so we, we don't like to live there. We don't want, we don't want that, that over our head and on our shoulders tonight. But the reality is, if we know what is good, we have the desire to do good, we search out what is good. So not only do we have the desire, we have the knowledge, but we choose not to do it. The Bible calls that sin. Why? It's disobedience. It's disobedience. And nowhere in your Bible does God ever condone us disobeying him. It doesn't give us the right to do that. And so if we know to do good and we don't do it, it's not opinion, it's not, it's not a, a preference, it's none of those, it is sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. He doesn't want to just do good, he wants to know what good is because it would be a sin not to. Now preacher, how in the world does this apply to sowing? How does it apply in my life? Let me ask you tonight. If you wanted to go to grow a tree, what would you need? Well, first of all, you'd need a desire, right? You'd have something inside. You'd say, you know what? I want to grow me an apple tree. I'm sick and tired of going to the store paying inflation prices. I'm sick and tired of, of going there and the, the apple's not being right. I'm going to grow them myself. I got a desire to grow me an apple tree, right? Now you've got a desire. Now you got to figure out what seed's a good seed. You have the desire, and if you're like me, I don't have a, 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 a robust knowledge of apple trees in my mind. I'm not Johnny Appleseed. I don't know what kind of apples grow good in the South. I, I don't know what, what, what the best kind is. So you and I would say, you know what, now I gotta figure out what is the right kind of seed. I have the desire now, I'm gonna go search out. And then once I get the knowledge, and say, oh, it's this kind of apple, well, I'm gonna go buy me an orange tree, an orange seed. That wouldn't make no sense. Right, but sometimes as we do in our Christian life, oh, preacher, I want to do good. So do I. Preacher, I want to do right. So do I. And so we sit down, all right, preacher, what is right? What does the Bible say about this? And, and how can we do this? And, and so you sit down and you find it out and you say, all right, never mind, I ain't going to do that. It makes no sense tonight because you've got to realize 
there is a harvest day coming. And, and we're going to see tonight, if you're going to want the right harvest, you've got to start with the right seed. You can't circumnavigate this. You can't find a loophole through this. It's how God works. So what you need to do is you need to diligently seek the right kind of apple tree. Get it. Put it in the ground, right? You sow it. So we see the attitude of sowing. Let me ask you, do you have, currently have a desire to do good? Are you diligently seeking how to do good or, or what is good in your life and what is good for you to do, what is right for you to do? So we see the attitude of sowing tonight. Excuse me. My dinner is saying hello again. Notice number two, the action of sowing. We have the attitude of sowing, then we have the action of sowing. In essence, tonight, it, it goes hand in hand tonight. It works its way down. You, you have the desire, now you have the knowledge, and now you've got the seed in your hand per se. Well, let me, let me help you out on something. If you keep that in your hand, it, it ain't going to grow. It's, it's just going to look back at you. You're going to have a seed. Right now, if it's a sun, sunflower seed, that's great. I'll roast that bad boy, put some ranch seasoning, salt on it, something on it, and I'll, I'll eat it, amen. But you can't do that with an apple seed. You can't do that with a peach pit, right? But we see the action of sowing. The second step is, is where the majority, of, and here's where, this is where the majority of Christians get stuck. We have the right attitude. We have the right understanding. We have the, the right knowledge, but we don't follow it up with the right action. And when you have the right attitude and you have the right knowledge, but you don't ever put it to action, soon the right attitude and soon the right knowledge is gonna fizzle out. Right, it takes action. We see, in the verse number 24, we see the action of scattering. Look at verse number 24. There is that, there is that scatter, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. So we see the action of scattering. That word scattering means disperse. Now, when I read the word scattering, probably when you read the word scattering, I think of somebody reaching into a bag and just tossing seed everywhere. Right, with no care in the world. That's not what the Bible teaches. You go back, and we don't understand this because most of us, our, 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 our understanding of agriculture is, is a seasonal thing where we plant tomatoes and peppers and nothing wrong with that. But in the Bible days, when they were going through the fields, they didn't just grab stuff and just chunk it right all over the place. They scattered it out, but it was in a certain location what they owned it was on their land in that sense and so yes it was scattered abroad but at the same time it was put in a specific place right the effort was put in a specific place in, in a specific area right and we see the, the action of scattering it's purposeful broadcasting right it's broadcasting with a purpose and the best way I can illustrate this I remember one time I think it was vacation Bible school we had a great idea we grabbed some balloons, we filled them up with helium, and we tied strings to them, we punched holes in tracks, we tied tracks to the balloon, and we all gathered in the front yard, and we all let those balloons go. I remember thinking, boy, this is awesome. Boy, look at all them gospel tracks, they just started floating down 25, all over the place. And at the time, I thought, man, this is cool. And the more I got to thinking about it, I was like, we have no idea where those are going. They may land in someone's yard. They may land in, in a pond somewhere. They may get hit by a car. We have no idea where those are going. Somebody might have found one and got saved by the grace of God. We have no idea. But we just watched them scatter abroad. I got to think, I remember thinking about it. I was like, man, that was a good idea. But I think if we had honed it in some and said, you know what, let's, let's put it in somebody's hand. Right? Let's, let's hand it to somebody. There was that, that, that you know, it was a, it was a general broadcasting. 
Somebody probably said this for the litter. I don't know. <laughs> they, they just got their yard picked up. Here comes our track. <laughs> hmm, praise the Lord, my name wasn't on them. <laughs> They'll get mad. They just won't get mad with me. But then there's that. But then we had a family that come through here, the Bork family. And they were stationed at Fort Gordon. They, they lived over in Evans. and They would travel here for church. And they lived in a, a subdivision. And I remember Brother Brad raised his hand one service. He said, pray for us. The Lord has put it in our heart to witness or give the gospel or attract to every home in our subdivision. He said, pray that we'll be faithful to do that. Him and his wife would go and they would go door to door and just invite people in their subdivision to church and give them the gospel track. And right before they left, he raised his hand and he said, thank the Lord we were able to keep what we've committed to God. We were able to give and put a track in every hand of every person that lives in our subdivision, of every family. Now, there was a great broadcast, but it was with purpose. And sometimes in our Christian life, right, we, we think, all right, I'm going to give the gospel out, I'm going to grab me a bunch of tracks, I'm going to walk into Walmart, and I'm just going to start chunking them. Or I'm going to stick them in here and stick them in there. There's nothing wrong with that tonight. But you've got to realize the gospel is personal. And I think we'd be a lot more effective with it if we on purpose put the seed where we knew it was supposed to go. Put it in the hands of the person that needs it. In essence, tonight, if you were to grow your garden out there and you prepared the ground and you, you got your, your buckets or whatever, you got everything ready, you got your soil good to go, you're not just going to stand out in the yard and someone start casting it. You're going to put it where it's supposed to be. And the same thing is true in our Christian life. We see the, the action of scattering. It's not, here's the thing. We, we go back to here. The Bible says in verse, where are we at? Verse number 24. The Bible tells us that he that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but attendeth to poverty. You gotta understand what we possess as we, we possess the greatest thing this world has ever known, ever seen, ever heard of. We have the greatest story to tell, but only if we tell it. And here's the thing now, we can hold it in and yes, we'll go to heaven. We'll go to heaven empty-handed. And we call people who don't have, their hands are empty. We tend to call them they live in poverty. And attendeth to poverty. In essence, tonight we see the action of scattering, but we also see the action of watering. Look at verse number 25. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Now, there's a thing called a paradox, and a paradox is a statement that sounds like it doesn't make sense, but when you begin to think about it, it does make sense. And our Bible is full of paradoxes. God teaches and God operates by paradoxes. We see one here tonight. Preacher, I, I need to be watered. How do I get watered, preacher, by watering somebody else? Now, don't take it literal. <laughs> don't go grab you a cup of water. We're not doing the ice bucket challenge. That's gone. That's, that happened 10 years ago. We're not doing that anymore. But, preacher, what does it mean? Uh, I, uh, I'm just tired. I'm wore out. I, 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 need, I need to be filled. I need some encouragement. Preacher, what do I do? Go find you somebody to encourage. Preacher, I need to be watered. What do I do? You need to go water somebody else. Let me ask you, when's the last time you watered somebody? So here's the thing. The Bible, or the, not the Bible, most Christians nowadays have become reservoirs. Fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. And here's the thing, if you have a reservoir, I don't know if all of them are, but the majority of them are man-made. Right, it has to be sustained 
by men. If you think about a reservoir tonight, what, what, what's the one thing that everybody's concerned about with a reservoir? The water level. How high or low the water is, and really it's how low the water is. A lot of the times, how high is the issues of flooding. But we're not called to be reservoirs. In essence, it's not fill me up, 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 fill me up. But rather, we're called to be fountains, naturally occurring. What comes to us flows through us onto somebody else. And as long as you and I are nothing more than reservoirs, all we'll be concerned about is our water level. How much water? Do I have how much of this? Do I have how much joy? All those kind of things. But when you allow yourself to encourage others, to edify the saints, to, to, to be a blessing to people, even when you're struggling, even when you're going through a difficult time, a lot of times I used to think that once everything calmed down, once, once everything got, I figured everything out for my life, then I could be a blessing to somebody else. I've learned you just got to learn to help people in the midst of your storms. You got to learn to help people in the midst of your struggles, your trials, because as far as I know, until we get to heaven, we're going to have a life full of them. And so if I'm waiting for everything to be perfect in order to serve God, I'm probably not going to do so. We see the action of scattering. We see the action of watering. Then we see the action of selling. If look at verse number 26. He that withholdeth corn to the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Well, preacher, they're not good Christians. How dare they sell something that somebody needs? <laughs> Let me ask you last time. You might have been upset with the prices at Walmart and at Aldi, wherever you happen to do your grocery store shopping at. You might have been upset with the prices of it. But how many of y'all still paid the price? <laughs> Why? Because you need to eat. You, you want snacks. You want, you want the things to survive off of. Listen, there's a million ways to die. I'm purposing in my heart for, in my life, for it not to be starvation. I will do whatever it takes for that not to happen. But here's the thing. You only sell things that have value. Right? You only sell things that have, you're not, mer I'm not talking about merchandise in the gospel, right? I'm not talking about going out and maybe you've got a track in your hand and say, hey, can I give this to you? They say, oh yeah, sure, thank you. Okay, that'll be $1.50. Well, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. But really, good products sell themselves. And what I'm trying to get at tonight is the, the, the gospel that you and I possess, the, the word of God that we have tonight, it's a great value. Right? Matter of fact, it's probably the most valuable thing that we have on planet Earth. But at the same time, when we talk about selling, in essence, you see the value of it, so therefore, when you share it with somebody, you don't share it with a, well, listen, you can have it or not. Right? Do it, whatever you want to do with it, you do with it. No, you share it as something that is valuable. You're not, you're not selling the gospel to them. You're not trying to, you're not sales pitching it, but you're, you understand the value of it, so you present it as something valuable. You present it as something, listen, you get, you get approached in this way. Listen, do you mind if I share something with you that absolutely changed my life? Can I take a few seconds and tell you how much Jesus really loves you? And you say it with concern. I'm not talking about being fake. And you ought not to fake that, right? The fact that Jesus cares for you. The fact that the gospel changed your life. But so many times, and so, and we, we can get so discouraged and defeated, we'll, we'll, we'll approach a soul winning scenario or sharing the gospel scenario with a defeated attitude. They ain't going to want it anyway. How do you know that? They're, they're not going to listen to me. I'm just here because that's what the preacher told me to do. 
You can go to hell if you want to. I don't care. Do you really not care? Right? We have great value in the word of God tonight. And so when we present, we ought to present it as something that is valuable. You only sell things that are valuable. If there was no value to it, you couldn't sell it. That's why <laughs> my mother-in-law loves going to garage sales, yard sales, estate sales. Add a sale to it, she'll go to it. Whatever it is, she'll be there. Me, not so much. <laughs> I'll drive by, and if I don't see anything on the drive-by, I ain't stopping. <laughs> if, there ain't, if there ain't Frisbees out there in a disc golf basket, I really don't care. <laughs> but we see the action of sowing, right? We, we see the action of settling, of watering, of scattering. Let me ask you now, are you going to make the progression from just having the right attitude to also having the right action? Notice number three tonight will be done. We have the action of sowing. We have the attitude of sowing. And then verse number three, or verse number three, point number three, we see the actuality of sowing. The actuality of sowing. We've gone from the sow or from the sow to sowing. We've gone from the hog, the hog to the harvest. And here's the actuality of sowing. The harvest will always come. The harvest will always come. If you write in your Bible, find somewhere, and you write, take notes, write that down. The harvest will always come. It will always come. And there's a lot that you and I can't choose about the harvest. We can't choose when the harvest is going to be. We don't know how much we're going to harvest. We don't know who will be affected by our harvest. All of that is out of our hands. But here's what we can control in that sense. We get to choose what we will harvest. How, preacher? How can I choose what I'm going to harvest? Well, by what you sow. All of us in here tonight understand that if you put a, if you put a tomato in the ground, you, you won't be shocked if tomatoes grow from it. That's what the expectation is. And tonight when we begin to sow things like faithfulness, things like compassion, things like concern, and things like the word of God tells us to sow, well, then we ought not to be surprised when we reap those things that are promised to us. But the harvest is always going to come. We see tonight, verses 28 through 31, we see some harvest, right? We see some reaping, so to speak. Look at verse number 28. We see the harvest of falling or flourishing. The Bible says, he that trusteth in his riches, what? Shall fall. But the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Well, preacher, what separates these two? What separates the harvest of falling from the harvest of flourishing? Trust. Let me ask you that, what are you trusting in? The Bible says right there in verse number 28, he that trusts in his riches shall fall. Notice here, he didn't put a specific amount on the riches. He that trusts in his riches, unless they be a better than six figures, shall fall. History tells us that it doesn't matter how much in the money you got in the bank, you could lose it all tomorrow. Well, we've seen it happen here recently. Banks have just shut down. Sorry, I don't know where your money went. Well, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to experience? But what separates these two? And if that's all you're trusting in is, is that nest egg or, or that, those finances and you're trusting that and, and all, that's all you think about, that's all you're concerned with, that's all you're leaning on tonight, you're going to fall. It's not an if, it's a when. Why, the harvest always comes. You'll fall, that's all that you're holding on to tonight. But notice this, the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Well, preacher, how do I enjoy the harvest of flourishing? 
Remind yourself you're a branch. <laughs> Preacher, that don't make no sense at all. What in the world the twig got to do with it? I didn't say a twig, I said a branch. What did Jesus say in John 15, 5? I am the vine, you are the branches. And in essence, that if we are branches, we're trusting in a vine. Jesus is the vine. He said it himself. And so tonight, preacher, how do I, how do I enjoy a, a, a harvest of flourishing? Trust the Lord. And all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct the paths. For, for he, he, he knows far better what we need in our lives than we do ourselves. And he can do far more for us than our little nest egg can. We've got to learn to trust him. We see the harvest of falling and flourishing. We see a harvest of disaster and servitude. Look at verse number 29. He that troubled his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be the servant of the wise. That word troubleth means to stir up, it means to disturb, and that's it means to royal water. Right? It means to cause problems in contentions, to cause issues there. The Bible says right there in verse number 28, he, verse number 29, he that troubleth his own house. Preacher, how did America get in the situation that it is? A whole bunch of daddies started troubling their houses. A whole bunch of fathers quit training and teaching. A whole bunch of fathers quit being concerned and compassionate and, and rearing up children. They, they, they begin to cause problems on purpose. Rile things up, stir up the pot, so to speak. Preacher, what is that result? And look, look what they're left with. Verse number 29, he that troubles his own house shall what inherit the wind. Well, preacher, that, I mean, that sounds different. But the wind's really not that bad. Let me ask you, how much wind can you hold in your pocket? How much wind can you keep in your house? How much wind can you hold on to? In essence, what Solomon was saying here is, listen, you keep troubling your house, you keep causing problems, you keep being uh, disobedient to the word of God, you keep allowing that to, to, to come from you into your family, get ready for the day, all you'll be left with is the wind. And the wind's fleeting. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. We see the harvest of disaster. Left of the wind, if all you've got is the wind, guess what you got? Nothing. You've got nothing. You'll be, notice this, he goes on to say in verse uh, number 29, towards the end of it, and the fool shall be a servant to the wise of heart. Instead of being the one who leads, you'll be in servitude. You'll become dependent upon someone else for your needs. And when you are dependent on somebody else for your needs and to meet all of your needs, you become resentful and bitter. Become resentful and bitter. I remember being in the cabinet shop and we got PTO and you accrued so much of it on a weekly basis and I remember when I finally started getting it, I, I saved it up, so, I, so pretty much a year, I saved up a year to get one week off. So I had a whole, I had enough PTO to take a whole week off. And then I began to save it again and, and build it up that, that way as well. And I, I, we finally took a week off. We went to Nebraska and we, we planned it all out and, and I was so excited. It's the first time ever in my life I was getting paid to go on vacation. I was so excited. And I was telling somebody I worked with, I said, hey, listen, I, I'm not gonna be here next week. Uh, I'm going to Nebraska. He said, it must be nice. I said, it is. <laughs> he said, I wish I could take a whole week off. I said, well, if you saved your PTO, you could. He said, oh, why you got to be like that? I said, because I'm just being honest with you. You quit using it on Friday so you could take the, the, every two hours off every week and just stay here the next, those two hours. You could have a whole week to yourself. Do whatever you wanted to for a week. 
And here's the thing, and, and it went back and forth and back and forth. And I said, finally, I said, listen, you're not, you're not making me feel bad. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not apologizing. I'm not I'm upset. I, I'm not offended at all. But I said, it is nice, and I'm going to enjoy it. And here's the thing, when you allow yourself and, and you waste everything, on, on, you think about you know, righteous living in that sense, you, you race, waste everything on, on the wrong, and all of a sudden now you've got nothing left, and you've got to go beg, borrow, and steal from somebody. Right now you're going to be upset with them because they have something I don't. Now you had the same exact thing, you just wasted it. You sowed the wrong things, and now you're enjoying a harvest that you can't enjoy. We see the harvest of disaster and servitude. We see the harvest of falling and flourishing. And then finally tonight, we see the harvest of the righteous. Verse number 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that his souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. Much more the wicked and the sinner. What's the harvest of the righteous? First of all, you become a life-giving fruit, a tree of life. Right? The fruit of the righteous is what a tree of life. You could say this way, you became a life giver. The fruit sustains folks. And you got to realize that if you're planting a fruit tree in your yard, you're planting it because you want fruit. But not only does the fruit sustain you, the shade comforts you and the strength protects you. We see here tonight when you and I sow the right seeds and God allows us to see the harvest, not only will we enjoy the harvest, but those around us will as well. We become a tree of life. The Bible says, he that when his souls is wise, there's visible wisdom. A person who brings people to Christ can only do, throw, do, excuse me, do so reality and really through wisdom. And when you and I lead somebody to the Lord, and it's not because we, we just take them down the, you know, down the Romans road and we pray a prayer with them. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about when you, when you, when you expressly and on purpose show them the love of Christ and they see that Christian example in front of them and, and they see not only what you're saying is true, but they can see in your life that it's true as well. And when that, when all of that takes effect and because of your testimony, because of the word of God, they trust Christ, right? It is a visible wisdom. He, when his souls is wise. And then we see there's a greater reward. Verse number 31. The Bible says, behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. Much more the wicked and the sinner. Well, so preacher, that, that seems like the, the righteous got the short end of the stick. It says the, the wicked and the sinner much more. They, they got a greater reward in the earth. You got to realize the wicked and the sinner, this is the only reward they got. All they have is here and now. All they have is, is their riches and their popularity and all of that and, and their, their fleshly and their, 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 their sensual satisfaction. That's all that they have. That's the joy of being a Christian, right? Not only do we enjoy some of his reward here now, well, how many know what it's like to have peace? How many know what it's like to live with joy, contentment, satisfaction, hope, help, blessings? You're enjoying that now. You're enjoying a little bit of it now, but we know that our far greater reward is not here, but it's in heaven tonight. That's our great reward. Yes, the wicked and the, the sinner might seem like they have more down here. Can I say that? I'm okay with that because I got far more over there tonight. But I'm glad tonight. I ain't got to wait until I get there to enjoy a little bit of it tonight. He's allowed me to enjoy some. He's allowed you to enjoy some as well tonight. We have a far greater reward. The, the harvest of the righteous is you become life-giving fruit, a tree of life. You have visible wisdom. You have a greater reward. Let me ask you, are you willing to sow the right seeds so that you, you can enjoy the right harvest? Tonight, you can't sow the wrong seeds and get upset with God when harvest time comes. 
Now, thank God there is repentance. Thank God there is forgiveness. Thank God there's 1 John 1, 9. And you can tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry about those seeds that I sowed. And I don't want to sow these anymore. I want to sow the right ones from now on. But tonight, you cannot sow the wrong seeds and do nothing about it and then expect to get the right fruit at the end of your life or when harvest time comes tonight. You got to sow the right seeds if you're going to get the right harvest this evening. We see the attitude of harvest. Do you have, do you have a desire to sow the right, to do good tonight? We see the action of sowing. That's not just the desire. Now I put an action to it, and there's the actuality. I know one day harvest is coming. And when it's time for harvest in my life, well, I want it to be the right harvest and a good harvest. But I can only expect that and want that if I'm sowing good seed. Let's